You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. This is episode number 292 of the Centralized Favorite Podcast. I'm Jeremiah Morrill. Today I'm joined by executive video audio producer, engineer, sound technician, Zach Bircham, and my forever co-host, Mr. Dakota Davis. What do we have planned today? Today's episode features us and then our special guest, Mr. Jeff Rotz. Jeff Rotz is uh, now representing uh, our district in the state senate, which is new for us. But the state senate is not new for you. But we're really excited to talk to you today about all kinds of different things. Uh, we have in the notes planned for today: energy policy, the food and beverage tax, um, your tenure in the state education committee. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about some election reform questions, um, maybe property tax relief, and then there's also going to be some other things at the very end, and they're very exciting. So you want to make sure you listen all the way to the end of this show. Very good. This show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we'll provoke you. Other times we'll make you laugh. But hopefully you'll always learn something new. Uh, we just wrapped up about 15 minutes in the uh, very exclusive Patreon Facebook group. Uh, we were talking about Dakota's Garden. Yeah. Again. Yeah. You're, you're, you're trying it again. That's, that's, well, a, that, that's, the, that's the secret is that you've, you've not given up. You've got tales of what's gone wrong in the past, and you've learned. And it's if if they want more, they can go to Patreon. A new start, a new start. <laughs> Hope springs eternal for Dakota Davis. That's uh, right. Patreon.com slash Boss Hog of Liberty. That's where you can go to support the show every month, and that's also where you can go to listen to those bonus episodes. If you pay at any level, you get access to those bonus shows. You get access to the show notes before we uh, start the show. You also get access to a Facebook group. There's also all kinds of different little goodies. Sometimes we will send you uh, even little gifts in the mail, like stickers. And we did T-shirts this past Christmas. So it's uh, I definitely think it's worth your while. Uh, once again, patreon.com slash boss hog of liberty. And also, if you sign up at $50 or more a month, then you get a shout out at the front of every episode. And those folks are Mr. Jonathan Phillips, uh, our favorite car dealer in the continental United States, and also... Our favorite, uh, well, I'm not going to say that. He's also a candidate He's my for the Newcastle City Council. I got in trouble for making endorsements last year, and I'm not going to make the same mistake <laughs> again. And we also have Mr. Anthony Meyer, who is uh, doing his part to keep America going, running his truck all across the United States. And then we also have Miss Christy Avery from all the way in Fort Wayne, Indiana. She's our favorite Norwex dealer. Uh, reach out to Christy Avery for any of your cleaning or household needs. All right. Commercial over. Commercial's over. Very good. Zach just got his dinner. That's spectacular. Nice. What, uh, what's in the bag? Congratulations, Zach. 
Anything good? I know. I have to look. Yeah, we had. We had a. Do you have a standing order, you and uh, you and Mrs. Burcham? Does she know what gets you, or is this like a random lottery? <laughs> uh, she generally knows. I change up once in a while, but for the most part, she generally knows. Um, I actually don't know what's in here. She <laughs> she just offered. It we, appears. It, was, it appears that she has retrieved you a sandwich. I got off work and had about twenty minutes, and then my kids' elementary school had like a STEM night, which is really. A, uh, an extortion attempt to funnel me in for the scholastic book fair, <laughs> <laughs> which all of them are good at. My wife, when she's a preschool teacher and her activities are donuts for dads and muffins for moms, which also correspond with when the book fair is in. And so that's parental extortion. And so it looks like I got a burger. So probably a bacon cheeseburger. It's either that or, uh, it's windy, so an Asagio Chicken Club, but hold the hold the uh, ranch. All right. So let's, let's, let's spend some time here with our, with our guest, uh, Senator Jeff Rotz. Uh, so to, to bring people up to speed, uh, this is the first year that you're representing Henry County. Uh, we had previously been a split county where I think the bottom two thirds of the county were represented by Senator Lysing and the, the top third was represented by Senator Gaskell. Uh, you've now got Henry County. I know you fully embraced it. Check your profile picture out on Facebook and you've got the Henry County, the beautiful Henry County courthouse. So what's, what's it been like? This is, the, I think, the first time you've been through redistricting. What's it been like learning an entirely new constituent base? Well, uh, that's a great question. So uh, a couple things I'll say. Uh, it, it was due to redistricting. So I'm, I'm in year number nine. Uh, the redistric, redistricting piece happens every 10 years on the national census, and lines are redrawn then. And so at least with this district, I think uh, we can safely say that there was no gerrymandering uh, by any means. And so it's very simple. The concept is there's uh, what we have uh, 6.8 million people in the state of Indiana. You divide that by 50, and that's how many constituents you have. There's plus or minus a percentage. Uh, that So that's, it's pretty tight. Uh, and uh, so I have, I have uh, Wayne County where I live. I have Union County. I have six townships in Franklin County, and then I have all of Henry County. So there's no squiggly lines uh, or anything like that. Uh, and so uh, what it's done, it's slightly more condensed, the district is. Uh, I used to have all of Randolph County and part of uh, Fayette County, a couple of townships there, one township actually. <clears throat> and so the, I lost both of them and lost one township or two townships in uh, Franklin County as well and picked up all of Henry. So it's condensed a little bit, made it a little bit easier, uh, a little bit less traveling from corner to corner. Absolutely. So you're no more than because with, with Senator Lysing, as much as much she was at everything here, right? Senator Lysing was at she was a fixture as a Henry County senator for for a very long time. Sure. Uh, but she lived in Oldenburg. She was here constantly, but the amount of windshield time that a state senator has is just unbelievable. It, it is, and I got to give uh, her credit because when, whenever I had to go to Oldenburg, I, I always laughed and said I had to drive over the river and through the woods to get there. But it's literally you got to go down and cross over the river and then go up over the mountain and come down the other side and go all the way down to the southwest corner of uh, Franklin County. And so it's a it's a big trip, no no doubt. So uh, kudos to uh, Senator Lysing for sure. So how have the relationships been learning learning the the new territory and starting to work with the Henry County folks here in the first the first few months? Well, <clears throat> first Henry County was really good to me. I, I was, it was actually a lot easier than I thought it might be. But the day that I learned about it, two days later, I was uh, at an event uh, here in, in the county. And so uh, from that day forward, it, it was uh, very warm and welcoming. So I, I have nothing uh, but good to say about Henry County. Uh, 
still have a lot of people to meet, uh, and that'll take some time to, to get there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, nothing, nothing negative whatsoever to say. Not, not that I would as an elected official of anything <laughs> anyway, but some big shoes to follow. You, you all had some great representation, certainly. Yep. So, uh, for those that we have listeners that are, that are in the community and we have listeners that are across the state and across the country, for those that don't know how Indiana in the general assembly works, we're essentially at the halfway point. We just went through where, where all the bills switched. So things that started in the Senate, have new, now move over to the House, and, and there's a lot of active legislation that, that's passing through right now. Sure. Um, in the news this week in Henry County was, was something uh, relating to energy policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, I know we've had some discussions with Representative Saunders over the years who recently retired. Um, there, there's been this discussion about local control versus state control and where how things are supposed to work and... Uh, our communities a place where people can invest and and having some expectation of knowing that if you're going to work in Indiana, say as a as a developer of a solar farm or a wind farm, uh, hey, I, do I have to play every local ordinance or, or or should there be something at the state level? Henry County has an ordinance in place now that says no solar and no wind in this community. Is that in your view? The appropriate 92 sets of rules and local control is what should take place, or should we have a state that says, "Hey, no, we're you know this is the bill I think that came up last year." It sure did. It's I don't I don't remember a lot of the bill numbers, but there was a the bill number was 1381 that came up, and it would essentially have set if counties hadn't had set their uh, zoning ordinances in place already that then the state would actually do it. <clears throat> and I couldn't believe that that bill had come out of the house, quite frankly, because I am a local control guy. So having served uh, Randolph County, which have, have embraced both wind and solar and living in Wayne County that said no, no, no wind whatsoever, some solar farms. And I think you all have some solar uh, happening in Henry County now, but yeah, so, so it should be local control. I think you know the big, the bigger question for us, which is above my office. And we're talking federally, and that's, uh, you know, as we, I, I like to say, I, we should be good stewards of our planet. But, but uh, is green energy sustainable, and what portion of that can we actually live off of? And and so, as I look off into last summer, actually this this the summer of twenty two in July, I got a phone call from a company in Wayne County that said, "Hey, we just got a phone call from our electrical supplier." Said. We, we might be looking at rolling blackouts, uh, which I, my first comment was that's not even in our vocabulary, right? But I think as a nation, uh, regardless of what side of the, of the fence you're on on uh, renewable energy, we, we shouldn't follow the, the issues that they have in the UK, right? So mm-hmm. they, it's just something that has to be managed appropriately. So all that said, to come back to say that it's, it's a local control issue, my opinion with um, the energy policy question um, Kentucky has done something interesting where they've actually signed uh, they have uh, legislation where they are guaranteeing a certain amount of years where they will keep their coal plants operational Um, with with this with this new development that we had with the uh, um, with NERC who is basically in charge of the grid around here uh, saying that the possibility of rolling blackouts is a first for Indiana, but it is real. 
do you think that that is something that we could see from the state of Indiana? I mean, I know we have a few coal plants that are in the state that are actually slated to be decommissioned um, in the future. So, uh, I certainly hope not. Uh, I think again, back to my comment, it's a management thing, and, and right. uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not that well versed in. Talk about the the coal plants in the state. You you may be more than I coming from your uh, background, but but uh, I would say uh, you know we should be really wise about what we're doing, uh, right? Yeah. And, and and we shouldn't follow in the footsteps of where things have fallen apart uh, by any means. And so we're we're talking about uh, affecting the economy essentially, right? Yeah, uh, and so. Uh, where I'm particularly talking about it was an organization that took up about uh, I don't know somewhere between ten and twelve percent of this current, the supplier's whole uh, energy as a source to residential and commercial. They took up a little over ten percent of that entire uh, organization's use or output, honestly. And they're just they buy and sell, right? They're not right, they're not a yeah. producer. And so uh, we, we just have to be very, very careful about what we do. So, do, so we look at the commercial side of it. Do we look at residential? And we as Americans don't, that's not, it might be standard conversation in California, but it's not in Indiana, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I, I, we, there is a bill this year actually uh, that, that talks about uh, decommissioning uh, coal fired facilities and making sure that it's not done prematurely. Now, you know, okay. we can do what we can do as a state, but uh, honestly, the federal lot, government yeah. has a little more that they could do some things that would cause us to have problems. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a lot of that, unfortunately, whenever we're talking about um, non-renewable energy, a lot of the regulations definitely come down from the federal government, um, EPA, and uh, other regulatory bodies like that. Um yeah, Jim Merritt came on a couple of weeks ago, and he was he was all about nuclear energy and um, mini mini nuclear plants. Yeah, he was talking specifically about like smaller nuclear plants, um, things that would be like the size of think like the natural gas peaking station that we have in CAD is, um, and essentially for that to happen, there would have to be a lot of conversation around um, zoning and deregulating. Uh, the nuclear side in the state. Um, are you a are you a proponent of the nuclear option? I'm a proponent of of uh, I, I did vote for it last year as an option. Uh, the smaller ones, which we we had to do, I shouldn't say we had to do it, but we did uh, give legislative approval to do yep. so. So we're not talking about the the traditional monster nuclear. Yeah, not the reactor. Homer Simpson. Not what would size. sit on uh, not Lake Erie or Lake Michigan. Exactly. Or the yeah, Ohio River, yeah. Or but, the Ohio River. You yeah. Bet. yeah. Yeah, certainly. So I, th- I think the, I'm not that well versed in it, but certainly we want to be, uh, make sure we're careful about how we do it. But I, th- I think we're actually jumping the gun, especially when we look at what's happened in uh, like Switzerland and, and, and the UK, uh, uh, them uh, kind of backing off of like they, they called natural gas a, a, a dirty energy and they, they, Pull that back and put it in the clean side, right? And so, uh, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. Go ahead. They're sorry. playing some uh, potentially dangerous games. Exactly, yeah. and we 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 don't need to follow that. That's a lesson we should learn and, and not go in that direction. Certainly, for sure. So, uh, uh, the nuclear option again. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that much about it. Uh, if we can do so safely, then why not? Yeah. That's, that's my answer. And I know that it may seem odd that we start with energy policy. It is not the most exciting or most sexy thing to talk about. And there's a lot more red meat issues out there. But 
I can tell you that over the course of this show since 2017, our conversations that have happened in this, in this building with many local elected officials have centered around local, you know, this local conversation we've had over, over alternative energy and, and locating stuff here. Sure. Um, so in the community, it's been a, it's been a very, very important issue. So I wanted to, I wanted to start with that. Very excited for me to talk about. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <there in> <laughs> I like my roads and bridges. Uh, so th- the next item that I wanted to make sure we got into, because I've had some some conversations with with local elected officials and, and with uh, Corey Murphy, our economic development uh, corporation CEO, um, over the course of the last four years hosting candidate debates and candidate forums here, I've never seen a more popular tax amongst citizens or amongst elected officials here than the 1% food and beverage that was passed in the late 80s to fund the Hall of Fame. Uh, Ivy Tech benefited from it. Memorial Park is now going through. The YMCA is, has benefited from it. Uh, and we've continued to see out of the state house kind of challenges to that, that being in place where 20 years from now it might get sunset. Uh, is that something that is likely to, to happen and Henry County is going to have to find a way to fund these, these projects a different way? Well, that, that's the, the, I suppose it's possible, but, but I'll explain the bill uh, as in, best I can so everybody gets an understanding of where it's at. So, first of all, the General Assembly is largely reactive. I hate to, I hate to say that, but, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, somebody does something wrong, and so we pass a law to prevent that from happening again. So, in a lot of ways, that's good. Uh, so, there's a community in the state that, that, said they were going to do X with a food and beverage tax and they're, I don't know, 25 years into it and they've done nothing that they originally said they were going to do. So uh, the bill that we're talking about uh, that you're mentioning uh, does not, it sunsets it, but what's it, the way it's set up today is that uh, a county can adopt it and it can go on for eternity. Uh, And there's, there's really no uh, accountability at least at the state level. I'm not saying at the local level to the local taxpayers who are actually participating in it by when they eat and, you know, go out and eat and, and uh, spend money at a restaurant. Uh, so the way the bill actually functions is there, there are the food and beverage tax can be used for a bond. So if you bond out 20 years, the food and beverage tax could be enacted in the, and then pay the bond off. But, it, but the, the way it's set up today, it never ends. That it would continue to go right. Essentially, what's happened is that you know we have this community's had a, a committee that would meet every time. Every time that there's an opportunity to buy the bond again, they would they would sit down, have have community meetings, and say, "Hey, here here are the priorities." And then your your county council would determine how they're how they're going to move forward with it. Sure. And I think they've gone through that cycle about four times since mm-hmm. 1988. Yeah. And so uh, after talking to uh, Corey Murphy and and a commissioner uh, regarding this. Uh, Henry County's done it fine. They're they're not at all in question on, on whatsoever. But so would would they be caught up in this legislation where so, where it could potentially end at some point? So so the way the legislation is set up in twenty forty five it ends. Uh, well well it sunsets. So we'll use that term. Uh, but uh, starting. Uh, I believe it's next year actually where there's some accountability, meaning there's some reporting that's done. Uh, on, on how the money is spent. That's how it begins. And then uh, 
there are guardrails on what the money can be spent for when we get to 2045 or when they come to renew. If they come to renew, eventually they'll have to if, if this piece of legislation passes or, or sunsets. Uh, but the guardrails, after talking to uh, Corey Murphy, what uh, Henry County has done falls within the guardrails of which they're setting forth and what the money could be used for. So would it, re- would it require state house action every time they want to renew or would there be like a committee that they would go before or an executive board who would it, who would the renewal take place with it, it would it would come to the general assembly but and so here's my answer to it uh if we the if this bill passes uh, so it's in the house now if it passes and the request comes forward when it sunsets in 2045 I can't, I can't tell you unequivocally that it would be renewed, but what I can tell you is the guardrail set in place, if they fall, if the request falls within those guardrails, which Henry County's does uh, at this point in time, then the renewal, uh, there should be no reason why it shouldn't be uh, so able to continue. Unless in 2045 somebody's mad at our state representative or state senator at the time. Well, I don't know. Because we've had some, some senators and representatives that have got put in the penalty box in the past and... It, well, they've, had to, they've had to they've had to sit there and cool it for a minute. Well, uh, uh, I'd hate to say hate to think that they would that 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 would happen, uh, and and a they, we it would be taken out on the county itself, right? So when you talk about someone getting in the uh, be putting in, in the cool off box, uh, I don't know who that is, and I don't want to know <laughs> at least uh, on air anyway. But but uh, uh, you know that that's a whole separate situation, uh, and I, I would. I would say to you that uh, the General Assembly, uh, uh, there are only a few ways that people can could be sanctioned, right? It's not, we're elected officials, and so we're accountable to the constituency. Right. We work together. There has to be some leadership, but and at the beginning and end of the day, they don't sign the paycheck. Right. Constituents do. But if, you know, if, if, in 2046, if, if Dakota Davis is our state representative and he's, the speaker doesn't like him, and they, he has a bill that says, hey, we want Henry County to have food and beverage. And they said, yeah, it's going to the rules committee. It's just dead, right? Well, uh, you, the, the best part about that is you have a representative and you have a senator. <laughs> so you got two people that can participate in it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So I, I would say that that's a, that's a far shot. That I, I've never seen anything like that happen. Certainly there have been people that have been sanctioned because of their own behavior. But to stop something from going forward that benefits uh, the constituency, I've never seen that happen. Not saying it couldn't happen. I'm telling you, I've never seen it. So correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, what you're saying is uh, this bill would sunset the food and beverage tax. However, as long as that county or that community is using the funds as intended and laid out in the bill, then they could continue with the food and beverage tax. The, the reality of it is what I believe the way the bill is written. Uh, and, and so I, I read it. Uh, it's been a while and I, I didn't uh, go through with a fine tooth comb. The reporting piece will begin almost immediately. Know, yeah. Almost immediately. Okay. And so we're talking about accountability and transparency and, 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 uh, but the renewal piece doesn't happen or the sunset doesn't happen until 2045. Essentially so, 20 years. So you'll have 20 years of track record to yeah, review. Exactly. And, and then, and then when they come forward and say, you know, this is what we've done with it. This is what our plan is to do. I mean, and, and the way the guardrails are written are fairly broad. Uh, so it could okay. be quality of place and some of the things you mentioned, uh, absolutely a quality of place. When you talk about Ivy Tech, you talk, 
about a couple of other parks, YMCA, exactly, yeah, things that that benefit the community, uh, which what is what it was designed for. So I'm not defending necessarily the bill. I'm I'm simply saying that that uh, I think we're looking for a, in some respects we shouldn't be looking for the boogeyman in the corner. Uh, I mean that it, it, what you're saying sounds a lot better than. Um, like there was just an article written about it in the in the Courier Times, and it kind of the way that I read it in the article was, it's just going to go away for everybody, and we weren't going to have that option in twenty three years, twenty two years. I'll tell you what I expect, and, and had some conversation today, a, a couple of them about this very issue, uh, because of the concern in Henry County. Frankly, I have no nobody else. Uh, I think Wayne County has had it approved. They've never implemented it. And the, nobody else does. And so, uh, but the conversation is about two years out. So now we're talking about 2043, something like that. Then counties will come if this bill passes and, and begin to talk about the renewal process and, and make sure that there's no, it's seamless, you know, that, that we get ahead of the. Of Who would the be responsible for keeping a record of all that? And like, who's going to be the person that's going to, uh, make the argument on the behalf of the county that we still need that tax to the general. So, Assembly. so it, it will be a, an elected official from the county that would okay. actually come. Yeah, and so as you mentioned, the track record. And I, I can't tell you right now off the top of my head where those records are going to be kept for the transparency piece. That will start almost immediately, right? Or let's say it would start, you know, July first of of uh, twenty twenty three, should the bill pass. So, yeah. and and again, I'm not, I'm not. Uh, uh, make an excuse for it. I'm, I'm just simply explaining the way the bill is written at the moment. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of questions. Yeah. Which are should be. Um, yeah. And it's uh, honestly, I think it kind of snuck up on, in the legislative process on the community and it, you know, it, yeah. it's gotten to a certain point and this is why bills switch sides, right? Yeah. So there's an opportunity oh, for, yeah. for discussion on the, on Agreed. the house side as well. And, and the, the truth of the matter is there is, there's nothing over there that happens that doesn't have a, a, some group that represents, uh, communities, right? So the associated, Association of Indiana Municipalities. Uh, I, you know, I don't. I really don't know uh, why that they didn't come and, and. And I'm not being critical by any means, but they are the representation. Uh, in, let's call them lobbyists. Yeah. If you they didn't raise that. the red flag and say, yeah, "Hey, this is a yeah, problem no, for our no red flag. And I'm not again, not not blaming anybody or, or making any excuses whatsoever. But there are some things in place that that uh, would Could raise be, the like flag. You, said the that, you know, this Henry County is the only. Uh, that area that you represent that you've you've heard concerns about it so yeah it could I, be that there's just not that many concerns around the whole rest of the state are there any so. possibilities for the for an amendment in the uh sure on the on the house side because i heard like orange county got carved out right the orange county doesn't yeah. have to come back well there's actually two of them and, and there's a good reason why so i don't i can't speak to orange county by any means but that's obviously french lick which is a an important piece of the puzzle in southwest indiana but Marion County was taken out, and, and the reason why there is because we Stadiums. actually, yeah, well, so I I didn't spend any time on it, but the legislators spent time on putting the the pieces together for Luke Soil Stadium, uh, the the a lot of the big projects that happened downtown that are hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, the food and beverage tax is included in that uh, in order to pay for some of those projects, like Pacer Stadium and. and some other things. Uh, so uh, the state has incredible interest in those specific places that we're on the hook for, right? Yeah. Uh, we as taxpayers. 
All right. So let's let's shift gears to a, a little bit more of a statewide focus. Um, you serve as the chairman of the – there's a longer name for it, but essentially the Education Committee for the, for the State Senate. Education Career Development. Tell us, tell us what that's like. And, and I, know, I know that there's, a, uh, there, there's, a, there's a, a bill that you carried this year that, that I know got a lot of attention, and I don't think we've spent a lot of time talking about it on this program. But I, there, I assume that if you carried the bill, it's something that's passionate, that you're passionate about or see a need, and that was uh, circling around critical race, critical race theory sure. in classrooms. <clears throat> that, that's, that's what kind of the bill was uh, labeled as, I guess, if you will. Uh, my intention behind it is nothing more than uh, my desire. Uh, so, so we've had this uh, division, uh, which I think we all can recognize politically in our nation is, has been on the rise for some time. And uh, uh, critical race theory, the 1619 project has popped up. Uh, and uh, so the state itself, uh, other than setting standards, we really don't uh, regulate down to a deep level uh, in the K-12 space. So we set the standards and create the standardized test, and uh, the rest of it is up to the local school districts. My intention was, and, and still is, uh, that we in the classrooms would do nothing more than teach kids to treat each other the way they want to be treated. And instead of uh, if if uh, critical race theory or, or other divisive, divisive concepts were being taught, uh, it's, it's been my intention that uh, we walk away from those things and teach kids the things that they need to uh, learn to live and to function in society. So academics, uh, academic proficiency, uh, work ethic, uh, how to treat others, uh, and and try to keep it simple. That that's the so, beginning and short of it all. Uh, I I know how it got labeled, uh, and uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, in education, uh, I end up uh, taking the brunt of it, and so I've gotten kind of used to it. I don't I don't know if you ever like it, but I got used to it. So um, <clears throat> this isn't a gotcha question. It's just because I've been really busy this week and didn't do my homework. Um, but in the bill, how did you define uh, critical race theory, or did you define it? I, I, I just used critical race theory. In fact, okay. the, the way the bill was actually written uh, uh, had to do it, make sure that we teach the history of the United States, uh, and, and we got in a certain grade level, or just simply no, 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 uh, just K just, just yeah, K just K twelve, wherever that falls. We're not getting down to that level, but but make sure that uh, teaching is part of that. Uh, process right, so that we're not hiding anything. That I, I'm not against. We we got some bad things in our history, and and those things we learn from. Right when you, uh, we were talking about your son earlier, and if he puts his hand on a electric fence, he does it once and probably doesn't do it yeah. again. Right, we'll so again. Uh, yeah, and so uh, that that was the simple intent behind it. I'm I'm a I'm not. Uh, uh, I I don't want to create controversy. I can guarantee you that. And you're not saying like, so sugarcoat the history so like you yeah. just said we have the bad in our history we but need to talk about that too and ugly it's all it's all part of the history so why why in 2023 you've been a state senator for nine years yeah. why the, why was this year the year that this is this is the bill that you want great, to carry great question uh last year uh the house actually passed it out we had two bills last year uh one that didn't make it out of the senate one that made it out of the house i uh, got to the senate came to the end of session and and we had to let it go uh, we just didn't have the support for it. And so came back this year with a much simpler bill uh, that was pretty cut and dry. And uh, 
And so now we've actually walked away from that for the rest of this year as well. So yeah. that's where it stands. Do you anticipate it being a priority again in the future or yeah. is it not? No, I wouldn't necessarily call it a priority, but it's something that, that, uh, uh, it's a concern okay. on, on what's happening in the classroom. We'll just put it that way. So I, I can't answer that question. I don't, yeah. I'm not telling you I dropped it and I'm not telling you it's going to be a priority for next year either. Right. And we've talked a lot about education on this show. Um, Jeremiah's wife is a former school teacher. My sister is, and her soon-to-be husband are both teachers. And uh, my mom also works at an elementary school. Yeah, public school teachers. And uh, so we've talked about it a lot. We've had educators on that were um, explaining the Red for Ed movement. Uh, We had a former educator in this community and and Rob Kendall on uh, to debate the Red for Ed movement. and so I'm, I'm just kind of curious what, what your thoughts are since you're on the education committee about, um, one red for ed, and then also like how, how can we, uh, improve teacher retention in the state of Indiana? And so it's, it's a great question. And I, I think I got some fairly good answers, at least from my perspective anyway. And red for ed, uh, means, uh, to me, uh, I can only say a coalition of teachers that got together and, and under, uh, the union and, and came and spoke to the general assembly to put it that way by, by volume. Okay. Raise their, their yeah. concerns. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, um, a couple of things we talk about teacher retention. So there, uh, a lot of comments have been made about how, uh, Indiana fares with Illinois and uh, the surrounding States and how we, uh, compensate teachers. And so in the, what, here's what I can tell you, 21 budget, uh, we put, uh, actually it was more than $2 billion into, into K-12 space. Uh, almost half of that went to uh, the uh, pre-96 teacher pension plan because uh, every year the state of Indiana, we put a billion dollars in that plan literally out of the budget. So uh, in 96, we we figured out that, that uh, it was unsustainable, uh, that, that that pension plan was not fully funded or not funded well enough. And so they they, they cut it off. Started a brand new one that was fully funded from day one, and then we are working on and have been working on making sure that one was uh, completely funded uh, to the tune of a billion dollars a year right off the top of the budget. That okay. that that takes care of the the teachers that uh, These retire- are the teachers that started before nineteen ninety six. Exactly. Yeah, that that were in the that started in the profession before ninety six. And so um, that's the first thing, not, not the first thing, but what, what we do every year. So a billion dollars comes off the budget to make sure that that thing is uh, fully funded, uh, that the state can follow their promise. Uh, so the other piece that we did out of the $2 billion, just a little bit of a, uh, over a billion of it was sustainable. And by that, I mean, it has to be every year. Uh, so that was in the 21 budget. Uh, so the other thing that we did is uh, make sure that we, we actually done something the General Assembly has never done and set a base salary for beginning teachers and then uh, required that uh, 45% of the uh, tuition dollars that come from the state uh, has to go to teacher pay. And okay. so we stepped into a place the General Assembly has never been. Uh, and so I'm, I'm proud of that. It was historic. And we're, we're standing on the other end of it right now, uh, in, in which let me let me – uh, express that we certainly recognize that the state may have been uh, behind the ball and and uh, not sending enough money to uh, pay teachers well. And so we're back at it again this year. So we're two years later now, and we're talking about historic funding again. 
uh, for K-12. So uh, are we getting there? The answer is yes, I believe so. Uh, we've made a full-fledged effort to take care of it, uh, recognizing that uh, there's a lot of – education is a difficult field. Uh, you know, the the it's just difficult. That's all there is to it. And, and sure. I'm grateful yeah. for the people that continue – uh, to do it in what's am- most amazing to me is that generally speaking, families follow their footsteps, right? If mom and dad are a, or mom's a teacher, uh, generally yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, one of the kids become a teacher, right? And so it's it's pretty cool. I, I love to to look at that and and uh, actually declare that. Yeah, um, a lot of the headwind that I've seen, and I, it, so many people in the millennial generation. You know, went to a public public college. They went to Ball State. They went mm-hmm. to Indiana University. They got sure. their teacher's degree, and by the time they're thirty years old, they're out of the profession. So we've spent all this public money. They've put they've they've made you know they borrowed money, student loans, whatever, and then they get to be twenty seven, twenty eight years old, and they say, "This is you know I don't have the support I need. I've got these high st- my my wife taught third grade, so it's the first year of high stakes testing, and it's just um you know they, they end up finding themselves." playing referee more than they are actually, you know, delivering instructional materials to kids. Um, Is there anything other than the pay side that you think that the state can do to support, to retain those teachers so that they do spend an entire career teaching in the public school system? Well, a a couple of things. And so uh, let's talk about the pipeline first. So we're, we're about uh, the number is about 1400 short in this state right now, which uh, and I'm not making any excuses because the, the state's on the hook for this, right? It's not like a private industry. When you look at some of the other sectors in industry, the, it's double digits uh, percentage-wise. There's about 65,000 teachers in the state of Indiana. Uh, and so, uh, uh, you know, the, you mentioned uh, being a, a – uh, uh, what, what term did you use for a third-grade teacher? <laughs> a referee. A referee. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, it's, it's a big job. And so, uh, there's, there's no two ways about it. We, we've freed up some things. We're doing some additional things. Uh, several years back, uh, we, we created, uh, the next gen Hoosier scholarship award, which, uh, actually what it is, you can, you can get a four year degree, $7,500 a year. Uh, and the payback is five years of teaching in the state of Indiana. Yeah. My sister had that scholarship. All right. Awesome. And so we actually, this year, the, the concept, we're going to up that. We're going to double the line item in the budget and make it $10,000 a year and still require five years. And one of the other things that's really cool, in my opinion, is uh, taking someone who has a bachelor's degree uh, that's actually working in education, maybe as an ancillary uh, position, uh, they could actually uh, – we'll, we'll pay for them to get a transition. It's called transition to teaching. Right. And yeah. we'll – help fund that and and those who've been involved in it got a bachelor's degree will, will help them in a year's time to get their teaching certificate or get licensed and and then they can go in the classroom and so and then some other things some adjunct faculty and we looked at uh, people such as yourself now I don't, I don't know what jeremiah well i do know what you do you do bridges right so maybe in the cte space uh, a guy like either of you could say hey i i, I, I want to go teach so how, how can i do that well in ct space you we actually have I think the metric is 50% of the teachers there don't necessarily have to have a teaching license, but have to have experience or, or a degree uh, in, a, in, in the career tech ed space. So you can take your talents and, and go in and, and share them with kids. So one of the, I think one of the best things about that is like accounting. My original undergrad was in accounting and IT, and I got to the accounting desk when I got my first job. I was like, 
Well, I, I need some help. Somebody to tell me how to actually apply what I learned in the book practically. Bringing people in that actually have the experience, the practical experience, is an incredible, incredibly valuable tool uh, with a passion to teach kids. And so we're, we're, we've taken some of those things and done it as well. And we still got a long ways to go, but we're actually spending a great deal of time and effort looking at these things and trying to close that gap. Yeah. yeah. All sounds really good. Yeah. Um, I did like to hear when you said, um, talking about the 45% of their, uh, of the tuition support, the from, tuition the state, support yeah. from the state going to teacher pay, because that was something we heard from the teachers that we had on the show. Um, actually quite a lot was them saying like, we feel like we have like the state's funding enough, but it's, there's not a, there wasn't, their complaint was there wasn't enough oversight on how much of that funding was being spent on, on the teachers themselves. That actually went to so, the teacher salaries. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And that was actually, I'm, I'm super hardcore on local control and everything, but I think, you know, that was something that I actually agreed with. I th- I did think that there comes a point in time where, you know, you can only mess up so many times and then, and then the boss has got to come in and say, listen, you know, we got to fix this. Well, I, I uh, to be dead honest with you, I wasn't the biggest fan of it when it first came out. I didn't author the, the bill. I supported it in the end, but uh, it, it took me some time to to uh, support it as well because I, I we got the union in the middle of it as well, right? It's not just right. control. Yeah. The union also has the uh, part of that uh, equation. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I'm a union member myself, so I understand how that goes, uh, especially, you know, if you're looking at things from, you know, you're looking at things, it's it's really interesting whenever we're talking about public employees and the role of government in their employment, because it's it's like they work for the people, but then, but really, the people who are setting the rules and may, maybe even sometimes the pay for them are it's not the people, but representatives of the people. And that's where you come in and it can be kind of confusing. Um, and I can't imagine, I mean, honestly, I really can't imagine legislating around that. It sounds like an, an awful massive headache to try to figure out. It, it's uh, I, I actually enjoy it. Uh, so, so, you know, the day starts, I'm sure just like you guys, they five 30, I jumped out of bed. I was at the state house by seven, seven thirty, and I left at six o'clock. And so, uh, and that's the, that's, and then came here to meet us and then came here to spend time <laughs> with you guys. Yeah. So that's, that's part of doing what we do. Uh, that's a, that's a long day, Jeff. To say. <laughs> we do appreciate you being here for sure. The, uh, another issue that we, that we've spent a lot of time talking about in the, in the history of this program is around elections and election reform. Uh, and we've been advocates for third parties, but we've also been advocates for competitive local elections. And, as we've had a, a, essentially an autopsy after each election, uh, we we find we find that the party label means more than anything else, and it, not just in Henry County, but across the board. And there are there are counties in Indiana that that go blue, there are counties in Indiana that that go red, and there are counties in Indiana that have strong libertarian views as well. But we have straight ticket voting still, and we're one of like seven states in the country that still has it. Essentially, what happens is that. Candidates, especially for county elections, they declare a party, and your, the election is determined in May. And the party, the party label, the straight ticket voting is is the is is the election. Uh, 
and you find yourself not getting quality races in the fall where you have a you have millions of dollars of local local government spending that doesn't have an actual conversation because it doesn't matter who runs as long as you have the right party label you're gonna you're gonna just vote for that person so good people that say hey i'm i i I could probably serve very well in local government but i'm a democrat so i can't vote i i can't run and serve my community because because of that label i guess there's there's two two ideas or two thoughts that we've discussed on this show and i want to get your take your temperature on them one should indiana continue to have straight ticket voting as representative saunders carried a bill uh, a couple of times to to remove it and he says he nearly had the votes in, in committee one time, but it didn't work out. Uh, and then should we have party labels on on things, say, below the state house level? We don't have them for school board right now. On those issues, do you have any appetite to make a change? Well, um, the answer is no. And 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 uh, uh, my answer would be, I'll, I'll tell you, this, this past go around, this past fall, I, I didn't straight ticket vote. I wish I would have after it took me 10 minutes to get through the ballot, right? Uh, and, and I did so purposely, actually. And, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, uh, I'm not certain it would it, it may change the vote some, but I, I think what you're looking for, I, I'm not certain it would happen. And that's just my personal opinion, right, to actually enough to change the tide. Uh, it, it would be simply like I mentioned earlier about gerrymandering, right? I, I get in trouble for gerrymandering and... and uh, I said, well, tell me how, how you could gerrymander this seat, right? You look at how the lines are drawn. The only difference is i got six townships that are stacked on top of each other in Franklin County and the three full counties. I can't – it's, it's not gerrymandered. So looking at that piece, uh, I, would, I would come back and say uh, that, it, that it has a lot to do with education, uh, not, not in a classroom, but, but even myself – uh, had to check myself with the internet, right? We we look at we've all voted for retaining judges, right? And, yep. and and so tell me you every every year you go look on the internet or or before we had the internet you look at the internet and say oh yeah I I, I look at this judge's track record and no I don't want to retain them. This year I went back and looked at them, uh, and I voted no against one of them because of a couple of the uh, uh, cases that that judge rendered a decision on. Uh, and I, I disagreed with them, and so uh, that—that's my two cents worth. Uh, I hear you, uh, I understand you. Uh, I, I don't think it'd make a whole lot of it, difference. It, frankly. Uh, well, if you Henry County went to electronic total electronic voting mm-hmm. in 2018, when that voting happened and the software that's used, you went in and you you picked a party and you said, "Hey, I want to po- uh, vote," you know, uh, blue, red, or yellow. You picked your color, and if you omitted that, you got a giant red X that said, wait a minute, you've undervoted your ballot, and you have to go back. So the number of votes between 2014 or 2016 and 2018, it increased by 20%, the margin of people that went straight ticket. And then, as, as you said, by the time people get to that fourth or fifth page, they just say, the hell with it. I'm done, and I'm going to cast my vote. So they don't ever go all the way through. So they just... I'm, I'm telling you, from, the, from somebody that served as a county, county chairperson... And you're trying to recruit candidates, and you've got great candidates. Sure, you know, for the for the for the Democrat, Republican, Libertarian county chairman across the state of Indiana, you've got to look somebody in the eye and convince them to put their life on hold for six months to go run for county council to run for county commissioner, 
and to go raise money from their friends, and they have to have, feel like they have a puncher's chance, or else you're going to get bad candidates. You're not going to get people to volunteer to do the job. Sure. And I, I yeah. you're looking at a guy that did it right, right. organically. Uh, you know, the, the first time I ran ran for office, honestly, you know, and, and I had no clue what I was doing, but we figured it out along the way, and and just really worked hard. So I, I understand the the concept that. You know, the, I, I, I agree with you, uh, with that piece. Again, I, I, you know, I'm not saying that it, I can't tell you for sure, but my right. perception is it wouldn't make a, a difference in the end is all I'm saying. So if, it would, if a bill came to you, would, could you support it if it was there to, to remove the, to say, Hey, we're going to get rid of straight ticket voting? Maybe you wouldn't author it like Representative Saunders did after <laughs> his time on the show, but to say, Hey, yeah, this is something that you could, you could say, Hey, Indiana's, you know, we don't need to be in the, the last seven states doing this. I'd never say never to anything, honestly. So, right. you know, if if, uh, if uh, the constituency wanted me to do it or perceived that they wanted me to do it, obviously I can't come uh, and ask everybody everything on the votes that are cast. Uh, but, yeah, that, that, that'd be my answer to you. It seemed like uh, Tom's bill has always got lost in a committee somewhere. How about, how about this? What, how about you pulled on it? So you guys get to do your, you get to mail the postcards every year. Maybe you could be one of your five or six questions where you ask people and see what kind of feedback you get. I can do that. that how about that? <laughs> that would be spectacular. That's no problem. You remind me of doing it and I'll do it. Yeah. All right. It, I, uh, uh, let's see. We'll, we got like, I forget when we actually do that, but let, let's say it's like uh, August is when we, uh, you pick uh, your questions, pick the questions. All right. so I, that, I can that write was, my own too. So, oh, yeah. you can. Yeah. That's pretty yep. cool. Yep. There we um, go. Do you like when, this is, I'm curious about this piece. Uh, I don't know. I've never asked it before. But whenever you get the results, I assume that they just go like to the state house, and then like you will get a a percentage of. It. You don't like get the answers back, right? Uh, so it depends on whether whether or not they're electronic, which I prefer because we get the results back much quicker, right? So so mm-hmm. honestly, uh, I I have a, my legislative not my legislative assistant but intern is still sorting cards as we speak uh and so i can answer back i know what the percentages were uh we've gotten that much information because it's done uh electronically even with the cards that are mailed back but um uh in order to for me to actually write you a letter and i'll generally speaking if you hand write something on one of the things that come back i'm going to hand write something on a letter saying i i heard your voice or you know, whatever, uh, some kind of a comment. Do you actually Everybody. like see the comments? Like, I, I, I have yeah. a stack of cards are probably two feet deep. Uh, and I look, I, I'll sit and read every comment. And, can, can we and mo- most of, most of us do. I can't speak for everybody. Can we sign Dakota up to be an adult page for the day to help you weed through the comments? Absolutely. <laughs> I would do that. It'd <laughs> be kind of cool. Actually. I would, yeah. yeah. I'd probably enjoy that. Um, the, like the electronic, I've, I've always, I'm, I'm 27 years old, Jeff. So I've always done the electronic. On the inside, he's 79. My uh, my uh, oldest daughter's 28. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) old enough to be your wife. Uh, Where did she graduate high school from? (laughs) (laughs) There's there's an outside chance Dakota may have dated her. (laughs) Probably not, or attempted to. I don't. I I would. I would know. do you see the, because I left a comment on, uh, on Corey Criswell's whenever I did filled out mine for him that just said, please come on my podcast. <laughs> um, so would, would he have gotten like a notification or anything? That- I, I can't speak to that. Cause I don't, I'm not exactly sure what the house does. We're even though we're, uh, 
I wouldn't call us equal bodies because the Senate's the upper chamber. <laughs> I hope, I hope uh, Representative Criswell's listening. No. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I can't speak to that. But, but for us, we do. It's just it's an arduous process, obviously, the cards that come back. so I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, we, so this, we're about 137,000 people that, that the Senate serves, and it's half of that for the House. So Should there be any changes to the way we elect school board members? Well, uh, you're talking about uh, whether whether they declare partisanship or yeah, partisanship, et cetera. When, or when we do it, we used to do it in May. Now we do it in November. Yeah. Should the, are you happy with the process as it is, or should we should there be alterations? I'm I'm basically happy with the way the process works today. There were there've been a couple of bills that uh, in conversation over the last few years about partisan school board races, uh, and I'm agnostic on it. I you know I I. I got some thoughts about it, but irrelevant essentially. Uh, you know, the, the uh, uh, it's a local thing, and so Jim Merritt was full bore making. When you, when you say Jim Merritt, you're talking about former senator, senator yes. Jim Merritt. Yes. yes, I wanted to make Potential. sure that I figured that's who Pot- it was. Thirty years Potential senator, governor. Potential, Potential governor, governor candidate. candidate. Yeah, yeah, we got to yes. put that disclaimer there. Driver for Brad Kloppenstein there two weeks a- ago when he relaunched Alf's Brow uh, Beer on this show. Uh, senator Merritt joined us and, and hung out and. <laughs> We talked. He's the only political candidate that's ever shown up and started with "I want nukes." That was his number one issue. Immediately was he wanted. Yeah, it, was he, all, it, it was he was all in on the nuclear policy. I said, "This is a really interesting." Guy. I, I was like, "I wish I'd known this ahead of time. We would have. I would. We yeah, could have done some background research. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No doubt. That's I, I served with oh, Senator Merritt for a long time. Uh, for six years or so, I guess I, since I was in the state house, so I know him well. So. The the other issue that uh, that a friend of the show Rob Kendall he's been he's driven, he's made the long drive out here from Brownsburg many times or from Plainfield wherever he lives in Hendricks County uh, he's he's a crafty fellow we never know really where he lives uh, he's been talking about how property tax bills are getting ready to increase uh, for people who live in Indiana our our homes are worth more money I've had mine for about a decade now and I don't plan on selling it anytime soon. But I got a sneak peek at what my bill's going to be. I, so I looked on Beacon, and I know that I'm going to have like a $300 increase on my property tax bill this year. Uh, good for the schools, good for Henry County, maybe not great for me. Is there any appetite or expectation that we're going to change the property tax formulas or, or the, the bill that citizens are going to be receiving? Uh there wouldn't be anything that would change the formula. Now, there is some talk in the House, and so uh, a full disclaimer uh, so in a budget year, uh, anything, the, everything that has money, it has to come from the house. Uh, just, just the way. It's the one thing the lower chamber gets to do. Exactly. Yeah. Which, which is, you know, the power of the purse is pretty important. So, <laughs> uh, but, uh, there, there are a couple of, uh, bills over there. There's also, uh, what we had put in, uh, code, I don't know if it's in 21 or 22. I think it was in 22 that, uh, if we get over a certain threshold on revenue forecast that we would drop the income tax. So if we uh, get to like $5 billion in the piggy bank, then, well, well then I, the relief comes. I, I wouldn't necessarily five, say 5 billion in the piggy bank. And, and keep in mind when I, as I mentioned the concept about the, the, uh, at least the pension system, you know, the, when you look at the state overall and the, the, uh, 20 some billion, uh, Twenty billion, let's say the number is now annually, some someplace in that figure. Uh, it's an incredible amount of money, and and uh, what's what the truth is about it. I don't know if we all know, right? You know, knowing that we're staying within the four walls of how we operate, 
but we are we still have debt uh, in the pension system, and so the the if we look back to two thousand eight, uh, it took us about three billion dollars to weather that storm as a state uh, when we took a dive in the economy to come back up. Uh, in addition to that, we also uh, the uh, think about this as the federal unemployment taxes that that we pay to the state or the federal government. Uh, we actually didn't send some of that money in and then end up having to pay some penalties and employers actually had to pay penalties. And under the Pence administration, we had, when we got back on board the Pence administration, we paid that off and it, it took the penalties away from employers. And so what I, what I, the ex, my explanation to you is um, when we say $5 billion, uh, we have debt. And so that money is really a reserve, uh, that we should carry should the economy take a downturn in which, you know, the, the, pros, the prospects or perspective, I guess is a better word for it, uh, that the, the people that uh, look at the revenue for the state of Indiana and what the economy looks like, we their concept was we should be in a mild recession right now. We haven't gotten there. I just had this conversation today. Um, and I, I we look at sales tax, we look at uh, income tax on a, on a I don't know how often, I suppose every month, we look at those actual numbers to see really. To see if the receipts are coming yeah, in. Yeah, it tells us a story of what's happening in the state. So I think we got a couple more days. I just talked to the fiscal folks today a little bit about that to, to make sure. But we haven't seen any uh, source of uh, or any evidence of a recession yet. Uh, now, whether that happens or not, I don't know. It depends on if, uh, you know, how inflation, if inflation continues to grow. I've seen a number today, it's like about 12%, like on groceries and things like that. And other things have, have come down and ebbed and flowed some. I think groceries is probably the most difficult thing. Mm-hmm. But um, overall, looking at that, I, I'm just simply, I'm, I'm kind of giving you a little defense and saying there's really not $5 billion there. We right. keep some money laying around, about $3.5 billion is, I think, what it took us to get through the 2008 downturn. And, and much of the property tax revenue doesn't come to the state. The state collects yeah, no, no, it, no, but no, it yeah. goes back to the yeah. locals. Yeah. So are they going to have a hell of a lot of money to spend, or is there going to be a, is there gonna be a change? Well, um, I'm, what I'm saying is the, the last piece of it is, so I went on a long rant, I guess. Let me back up and say uh, there there is a proposal in the House that's that's coming over, I believe anyway, uh, to, to give some relief, which won't, won't change necessarily the formula, but could cap. Uh, one of the things that I've heard is it could, would cap uh, how much uh, assessed values would affect uh, the uh, income, t- or not income tax, but the property tax, right? So, uh doesn't change the formulas or anything. We just put a cap and say it couldn't go up over X percent on, on an annual basis, right, or every year. Uh, something, something along those lines. That that's what I've heard. Is it, it you know changing the whole thing? The, the t- property tax caps that came in under uh, the Daniels administration. They're in the constitution. They're, they're constitutional, yeah. right? Yeah, right. So anyway, something something in between there is is really what I'm talking about. And so. Remains to be seen what happens. Can't you just author a bill to get rid of the property tax? We'd have to go through the Constitution. <laughs> yeah, it was unconstitutional yeah. well, so, so, yeah. before, but it's, now it's there. It's, it's a great question because uh, we actually have a bill that uh, takes a look at the tax structure of the state overall. And so a lot of conversation, and I I, I don't know where you all fall on that. It could be a flat tax, right? I, I would guess maybe from a libertarian standpoint, I don't know that for sure, but I think that's the case. Yeah, I mean, when, when Don Rainwater ran for governor, he uh, he was advocating for essentially a retail sales yeah. tax. I think, you know, at the beginning and end of the day, uh, I think the, the concept is a, as, a, as a tax that would be fair to everybody on the ladder, right? Whether you're low income or high income, that, that, in, I'm, I'm just, 
throwing out a theory there, honestly, but but there there is a, a task force set up to take a look at the taxing structure of the state for the first time since I've I've been around it. Hmm. All right, that's good to know. So while we're spending money, uh, <laughs> the I seventy corridor, which you get to drive every day, you yeah. drive, you you live on the uh, the far east side of the state, but you're not staying downtown. You're a commuter. You're a commuting uh, legislator. You do your history. I'm I'm not bad. Uh, you, how many times do you get jammed up on I seventy? And because it's a two lane road filled with trucks and and in dots patchwork over patchwork over patchwork. Uh, a lot of orange barrels. Yeah. Uh, mm, I think I mentioned this earlier. My cell phone and and the timing from the time I leave home tells me whether I need to get off a of seventy or not. So uh, I I pay pretty good attention. To that only one yeah. time this year did I get caught. Uh, and a few weeks ago, I got off seventy and actually ran on uh, one hundred three and went around and got back on in Mount Comfort. City Councilman Jerry Walden would like you to put an interchange in there, actually, at 103, if you could work that in for him. Uh, that's been the biggest priority for him. Well, yeah. days come. We've been until... calling it the Jerry Walden Memorial Interchange. Even though he's not dead yet, we just think that by the time it gets accomplished, Jerry get... may not be with well, us anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to tell you any of my desires because she'll say, yeah, I'll accomplish when he's dead. <laughs> but but there's some exciting things happen. And, and, and you know, I, I would say, uh, you know, you look at, Several years ago, we had to cast, a, I think it was in 17, we cast a vote for a flat 10 cent gas tax. Uh, any of, none of us can drive anywhere without running into road construction. So I think yep. it's in full full force and it's doing what it was intended to do, uh, most definitely. We put side or guardrails in place listening to everybody to make sure the money goes to the roads. And that's exactly where it's going. So in the next five years, I-70, starting at the state line, uh, the first uh, project will run from... Uh, the state line up to uh, Indiana one uh, Cambridge city exit uh, Hagerstown, Cambridge city. Uh, see, Henry County wasn't represented by you yet. So you stopped, you got the Wayne County portion covered. And now in the next 10 years, uh, well, if, if I could wave my magic wand and do <laughs> we, that, I, 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 I wasn't even in the concept. Buddy, so sorry, yeah. we, we are paying the price for being the central and East central Indiana because yeah. I've drive from yep. Indianapolis couple, and it's coming from, the West and it's coming from the East and we're just kind of sitting here like in the middle being like, man, there's a lot of semis. I'm sick of driving around. <laughs> no doubt. So, so yeah, uh, three, three lanes in each direction. Uh, it's on, it's on the, the, actually the, they let out the bid uh, e- either they've done it right now or, or in the next few weeks they're going to let out the bid, uh, which is going to be incredibly expensive because uh, it's essentially every, a half billion dollar project just to get that portion. Uh, well, yeah, uh, easily, right? So, because you got you got all the bridges have to be widened, uh, and so it's it's a it's an incredibly big deal. I it, it, the only I, I talked to a guy from Indot about seventy, and they they said when they picked up seventy in the Mount Comfort area, that uh, got down to the base of it, the the rocks at the, the the bedrock that's underneath there. I don't know what you call it, uh, mm-hmm. but but let's say they're number threes. I don't know number fours are the larger, and they were. Like uh, uh, you know, size of a quarter uh, after all those years of being beat uh, on the highway. So it's so it's well overdue. Oh, wow. Yeah, huh? That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited by the fact by someone drives to it that they. Are, it's not like we're just going to throw a lane on there. They are tearing it down to dirt, and you're watching them. Oh my god, this should be when it's done. It should be so it's nice. Be a road boy. This is gonna because be I know you. You can back and forth for a little while there. A couple of years ago, Knightstown to Newcastle. 
was one of the most treacherous stretches of interstate probably in the country. It made the traffic report and it was no just because potholes and they got an emergency pave, but it wasn't like a great pave, but just to see like new pavement. And you're starting to get to experience some of that when they're moving traffic around over by Mount Comfort, but it's a safety issue. Yeah. You know, you end up until you get to three lanes in each direction, you've got roads that were designed, you know, post Eisenhower that one of the most important corridors that's, that's flowing straight through your district. You bet. And you know, it, as we continue to move into the uh, the Amazon model of uh, you know package delivery and and distribution centers surrounding us, we are the dog food capital of North America now. By the way, as well, we did, we had this conversation last week with uh, with John McCain, the uh, EDC director for Rush County. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got so much manufacturing and so much distribution that the truck traffic is massive. Agree. Yeah. <clears throat> Run seventy every day, so I I I know them well. All right. So speaking about things that happen on seventy, there's that Jeremiah likes to make the uh, make the quip that there's a lot of tourists that are traveling on I seventy between states and they get pulled over with plants that they shouldn't have. Uh, so that leads us into criminal justice reform. Um, do you think that's that, quite what, a segue? I don't think yeah. anybody could have ever could have done it any better. I'm than a that. professional. I've been doing this for quite a few years. Two hundred and ninety two episodes. Yes. <laughs> We we do, we are really good at arresting our tourists. These poor innocent souls are traveling from Oregon to Washington D.C., and the next thing you know, all of their all of their uh, their souvenirs are on the hood of their car, and they're spending time in the Henry County Jail, uh, which well, is full all of a sudden. Well, you again, know, Sheriff John Sproles has. We don't have a pace car on seventy anymore, so it's not might not be happening in Henry County. Uh, what what are your thoughts on the marijuana issue and in the state of Indiana. Uh, when you say marijuana, you're talking about legalization of marijuana? Yeah. I mean, Take your just temperature, decriminalization, legalization, medicinal. fireworks stands on the state line like we have in Richmond for uh, the big... You, come, you got state line fireworks. I, I drove to Michigan over the weekend, and I swear to God, the first 10 miles are billboards of establishments that are, that are catering to the Indiana and the Ohio crowds. Where do you... You know... It, I, th- I think Any some, appetite. I, I think someone mentioned that the other day, actually, and I don't know if it was a, somebody I spoke to about a week ago. Said they were in Michigan, and and uh, I, I don't went, I don't know if they went to a shopping plaza that had a dispensary in it or something, and said there were a lot of Indiana plates in it. So I don't think I don't think any of the uh, legislators are ignorant to the fact of, of what's actually happening out there. Uh, but I will say this: uh, I have a a, a relative. I'm not particularly proud of this, but but it, to think that if we legalize marijuana, it would eliminate the black market is a wrong thing, uh, because if anything, it strengthened it in some respects anyway. So so I and that's and, firsthand. Yeah, yeah, we had we've had this discussion too, because like in Colorado, it definitely strengthened it because and that that's a, a lot due to the incredibly high amount of taxes that they have placed on it. And difficulty and, uh, in banking. Yeah, yeah, there's certainly yeah, there's so, so, a, there's a lot of different things that go into it, and it and it certainly will. Um, I mean, but it also, I mean, it frees up a lot too, and it also, you know, if you're buying it legally and regulated, then you know, you you know it's safer than something that's being grown from the cartels in Mexico using DDT to spray for pests, you know. 
it's a so that there's those issues that are also arising. Um, but you know, we we have the governor once again said that he's a uh, he's not going to um, sign any bill unless there's reform on the national level. He doesn't want to get in the way of the DEA and their scheduling structure. So I mean. It sounds like even if you were to get a bill through both the House and the Senate, then it wouldn't matter anyway. Oh, but, hell. It, the same people that passed it the first time, a simple simple majority can override a governor's veto, right? Oh, that's true. Well, I, I, I knew that was coming. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm thinking about it in the back of my mind. That's true. We've I didn't overridden even think the governor's it, yeah. veto multiple times since I've been there. So uh, my personal stance uh, is uh, uh, I think uh, – I've always stood on this, and so I'm going to. I have no other way than to be honest about it. I, I think uh, for for me, uh, we know that smoking causes cancer. Why would we legalize something that we can pull out uh, the necessary ingredient now and, and still get the same result? Let me start by saying that, and and maybe that's uh, so. So I, in, in all honesty, several years ago, I was on a uh, went to a convention in uh, Colorado. And and a bunch of us legis- legislators went out for dinner. We're walking down the street and see the dispensary, so we go in. And you know, we walk in this place, and then we have to show our idea. And we go into this little back room where there's a, a glass case. It felt like we walked walked back into the 1930s, literally. But in there, there were some paraphernalia. There was like this waxy, yellow, waxy substance, which was really a a, a real potent form, I assume, of THC, where they've extracted it out, and 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 that was part of what was sold there, anyway. And then, of course, all the the money piece, and they gave us a story about how they had to accompany somebody out the back yeah, door at good. midnight, you know, with a and make sure that they're taken care of when they carry the cash out the door. And so, you know, there is poses poses problems most definitely. But that but that's my simple stance, and and uh, uh, you can't you cannot um, uh, not recognize that there are. Certainly, uh, some medical uh, capacity. In- you have to have heard from veterans groups that have advocated for. They've heard, yeah, certainly. I've I've heard from veterans. I've heard from folks with uh, uh, epilepsy. Certainly, uh, both both uh, you know uh, teenagers. I suppose you know, and anybody, right? So so the gamut, most definitely. But they're not not often knocking down the door. Uh, at, at least in my office, I don't know. I, they, they very well may in other offices, but. I rarely have anybody come in and say, "Hey, let's let's legalize marijuana." I know the desires out there, right? Uh, but but they don't come in necessarily and, I mean, and I, uh, advocate. Or it request. Is, it's I, interesting I, yeah. how the conversation has changed, especially in the past few years, and uh, with Trump passing the farm bill that basically legalized uh, um, all of these different strains that we have. Like we have whole shops that are selling um, the. Uh, THC flower, but it's because it's derived technically from a hemp plant and not, uh, you know, it's it's legal to sell. So it seems like the conversation has lightened up a lot, and you don't really hear about it as much anymore uh, because it's totally open. Well, I, I, the the other thing I would say, I, I you know, the, the the conversations out there, and you mentioned it about the the tax dollars that could be brought to the state. And that comes from one side of the aisle to say, well, if we do this, you know, create all this tax. But I think in, in the midst of that as well, there, there are some consequences that can't be ignored. Uh, as I mentioned, the, the medical piece, at least in my opinion, I, I think there's, it's less than uh, smoking uh, tobacco. Uh, the, the 
carcinogens, I right. believe. Well, uh, but there's but, a lot of ways to consume it. I was so three weeks ago we took a cruise out of Los Angeles, and that's an entirely different world. But the different ways that they have found to not smoke a product, but to have it in gummies, to have it in mints, to have it in yeah. all of these different products that you're you're consuming what they consider to be medicine. Uh, but it's not through carcinogens or smoking. You're just you're finding a way, just just like taking a multivitamin. Yeah. And no, 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 there's there's a uh, uh, obviously there's other ways to do it. Yeah, uh, most definitely. So I, I did I find it. Disagree with that. It was incredible that we could we can bet on sport. I could bet on I put, could place a bet on the Super Bowl here. I got to California. I couldn't bet there, but I could have bought any any sort of product that would have gotten me gotten me a tour of the Henry County Jail. <laughs> well, and so, uh, uh, you know, there's certainly, we know that we're sandwiched between a lot of different, uh, ideologies. There's no two ways about it. So I, I just came from California and my oldest daughter's out there. She's a traveling nurse. And so we, we just came back Monday from out there and it's a different world. There's yeah. no two ways about it. Yeah. So we don't want to be Los Angeles here. I, I just had my first merit board meeting. I'm, uh, I was appointed by, uh, by, Sheriff Sproles to, to serve on the Henry County Merit Board, uh, happened on March 1st, and that included a tour of our brand new, uh, jail or detention center, whatever, mm -hmm. sheriff's headquarters, uh, more than 200 beds. I, I know that we've had essentially 92 counties in Indiana, more than 40 of these facilities, brand new facilities have been built or are under construction. A lot of, Folks have told us over the years on this show that it's because we got all these level sixes the state has sent us, and that's why we're so full. We've we've now got when the last time that uh, Sheriff Sproles was on the show, we had maybe twenty empty beds in in the new facility. He said, "Hey, we need to pull the trigger and build the new one already." What can the state do to lessen this burden? Because we we seem to have all of these local communities trying to trying to house prisoners. Is that the intention? That we we're just going to continue to grow at the county level and not at the not to the state or what's the what's the long term game plan because we we're built we're getting good at building warehouses. Great great question. Uh, and so uh, one thing I can tell you is last year. Uh, so so part of the reason why uh, that we went to keep house level six is local, uh, which is the lowest level of felony, is because the DOC was full, and so we we were at capacity or or, or approaching capacity. We just changed that because the now because of some of the reform that actually happened before I got to the General Assembly may have contributed to uh, DOC population uh, decreasing. And so the, the, just before I got to the General Assembly, so we're talking 10 years ago now, they, they actually reformed the entire criminal code. And uh, the gentleman's agreement has been, and I sat on, Correction of Criminal Code, when I first got there for a couple of years, I loved it because I had to really pay attention because I knew nothing about it, uh, was uh, a gentleman's agreement was we're not going to change any of this till we see the results, right? Uh, because we're just like everybody else, right? You change something, then you change it again. You don't know what the variable yeah, was. Yeah, the yeah, you know, exactly. So at any rate, um, that that's exactly where we stand today. So level six is uh, now uh, we just changed that. I think it was last year that gave them the gave them the ability to send them off to DOC. By the way, uh, hats off to Henry County because I was out at the ribbon cutting for that facility and it's incredible. Uh, it's a it's a great facility. Uh, I understand you, you all needed it badly, but it it's uh, state of the art. Uh, so we gave the old one to the coroner. <laughs> <laughs> Not kidding. No comment. <laughs> 
but, but um, so, so anyway, the, the other piece is, um, you know, uh, we're looking at some other things, honestly, uh, you know, we're not going to be a state that's going to be easy on crime. Uh, and I can say that sincerely. You know, we look at some of the other states that that have lessened uh, their, their uh, criminal sentencing and things along those lines, and the result isn't good. And so, the state of Indiana is going to remain uh, diff- hard on crime. Is uh, is there a difference in that? At for least you, at this point bet- in time, between violent and nonviolent, and it, when when you say crime. I, I would I would like to use the word violent, but I, I but again you know I'm a novice when it comes to uh, the legal system. Uh, still, even after spending a few years on the on the correction of the criminal code, just not my bailiwick. Okay, all right. the The last item that I wanted to cover was more broad, and that's the future. I guess that maybe the economic future, maybe the what what your expectations are, and it's kind of a, we've had a reset where you've got a new a new district that you're representing. What do you think this place looks like 10 years from now? I hope that uh, what we can do is, is uh, continue like here in Henry County, your EDC director uh, and the elected officials appear to have done a good job, right? You all picked up boar's head and you got other things happening uh, in, in the region. One of the things that, you know, we, we have to look at, I believe is, is the ability to travel. And so it's not like before when you, you know, you, you lived across the street from where you worked, and that's what you did all your life. Uh, now folks will drive. And, and it's amazing. I think you, you'd be astounded, I think, even in Henry County, if you looked at the number that go out and the number that come in uh, to participate. So there some of the barriers that we've traditionally had. They've disappeared simply generationally, right? There's no, no other way to explain it. And so making sure that uh, we – Indiana, actually, let me say overall as a state, we have a very favorable taxing structure. Uh, somehow we've got the uh, label of having the best infrastructure in the state or in the country. I don't you know, argue about that when we look at our uh, infrastructure in the state. But it's a work in progress. Exactly. That's, that's a great uh, positive attitude, right? But uh, uh, the guy who we, builds we, the roads. You know, and, 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 and honestly, uh, we're living under uh, – a lot of work that uh, Mitch Daniels did economically, being conservative and, and making sure that we're set up that has its uh, positives and just like everything has a few negatives as well. But making sure that we have a positive taxing structure. Now we're now we're looking at: Do we have the workforce that's uh, one available and two has uh, the necessary skills? To participate, and so that's something we're struggling with, and really looking at a lot of different things uh, in the K twelve space right now. And some huge reform. I got a I got a eighty five page bill on my desk that I'm working through uh, that passed out of the house that would that focuses on work based learning in the K twelve space, uh, and and so uh, incentivizing and, and Wait, making it a lot easier for that those these type of things to happen. Can you clarify work based learning? Uh, Work-based learning while while in high school. So if you're let's let's say you're in a CT space and and maybe uh, an employer in the area uh, would entertain okay. having a student okay. come and work yep. on their grounds, and so it's a it's a huge benefit for everybody, right? So we yeah. we want in Henry County or in East Central Indiana or Eastern Indiana, we want to retain what we have created, right? As far as uh, human capital. So them getting to uh, experience a job locally 
uh, in finding their talents or developing talent there and the employer participating in uh, creating their own workforce or participating in creating their own workforce. So it's a win-win. Uh, not everybody's there yet, but the concept we've been talking to, throwing it around for... Is it like, is it changing? Uh, whenever I was in high school, I know that we, we kind of had that. Like if you had enough credits to graduate, then you could leave for a half a day. And you, you're talking work. about like what, what I would consider co-op. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, So you got credit maybe. You got a couple credits for doing it. Somebody signed off on it. Right. You, you yep. could you could be given a broom and put in the corner, and, and that would would have been your yep. job. This this would actually we're talking about applied credits potentially. I mean, this is oh, okay. still really fresh. But let's say you you want to be a, a a welder and you got some experience in the CT space. Could you actually go work and and uh, have a, a mentor on the job? So the employer's got a little bit of skin in the game because they're they're providing a mentor. Uh, and you're learning to do on the job, and and they they say, you know what, he's a he's a great welder. We want him when he graduates, and they offer you a job before you ever finish high school. Okay. So cool. if you so we actually have three ways to graduate today that we created some years ago. Now it's actually uh, fully enforced, and that's whether you're headed to employment, whether you're enrolling in uh, college, or you're enlisting uh, in the military, which is a much lower, uh, not lower, but lower number of people, obviously, but. Anyway, those are the three things we're looking at. I, I'm, I know it's not perfect uh, in all these things when you deal with uh, a million kids, uh, at least in the K-12 space, it's more than that. But uh, whatever that is, divided by 12 is the number of students that would come off the uh, gradu- graduate annually. And so anyway, we're trying to be as innovative as we can and, and work with employers. And so there's some, some pretty cool things that are happening. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's... All I can say is once we get them in place and they begin to function, it'll be time to change again. So one one of the, and we're getting ready to wrap up, but one of the questions that I always find interesting is talking with legislators about constituent service opportunities, or if you think you've got a letter and stories that you're able to share, anything that sticks out in, in a constituent interaction. Uh, probably being caught off guard by, <laughs> you know what you getting really mad at me about something that I did. Uh, in other cases, certainly getting kudos. You know, it, uh, this is not the easiest thing to do, and especially uh, uh, being the uh, – and I'm not crying at all. I, I, I stood up for this thing to do it, and I do it. Uh, uh, you know, being beat up about certain things is not always fun. Uh, but I'll tell you, last week I <clears throat> went out to dinner and uh, ended up talking to a few folks. This is before – uh, we left town for vacation and uh, a few days and, uh, you know, getting kudos from people just saying, you know what, we, we see what you're doing, continue to do it, please. And so uh, in the midst of all the trouble. So that probably keeps you coming back, right? Every once in yep. a while you get a little pat on the back and the, you go on the road. The positive reinforcement Absolutely, goes a yeah, long way yeah. for you. Because just like everything else, I mean, the what ends up in the news are, uh, you know, the stuff that creates news. Creates the the biggest Just clicks on the internet bang yeah. for your buck clicks on the internet right and so uh, I, I think if you honestly uh, there are people probably that are not there for full uh, good reason I suppose and but I, but I couldn't put my finger on one of them everybody's different we all have different personalities but I really do believe most of the people in the general assembly are there for the right reasons they they come uh, to make a difference a positive difference. Very few come in uh, that have a chip on their shoulder. They come in to fix something, you know, that, that beat them up personally or locally. Uh, so uh, 
No, I'm, I'm a common sense guy. I, and I love people. Uh, might be considered an extrovert, but I have some introversion too, right? I'm, I'm an introvert in some respects. I like my time alone. The, the drive back and forth to Indianapolis <laughs> is like a, I just kind of dream driving back and forth. And, you know, there's, it's the kind of comatose a lot of time, but, uh, so, so, uh, it's, it's a great opportunity and it's, uh, Honestly, one of the I, I sometimes still pinch myself when I go in the state house, thinking I got the opportunity uh, not only to be in this place but to represent people and uh, and it, so it, it's really uh, uh, it's, it's 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 interesting what you said about you know you knowing that all the people that you've served in the general assembly with are pretty genuine people because it's something that I've learned through the course of the years that we've done this show is like. I always just tell people, like, they're just people. Like, I, we've talked to so many elected officials and and also people running for office. And it's like, you have, you can get this clouded headspace from the things that you see online or you see on ads or you see newspaper, newspaper articles that are written about them. It's like, they're literally, it's literally just a, a person who's just, they're trying the end. They're going to, sometimes they're going to make mistakes. Sometimes they're going to do things that maybe they'll regret later on it, because it's, it's literally just another human, just like you are that that's in there. It's not, it, it's very weird. We've, we've placed in our culture, we've placed political figures in this whole separate category where we think of them like as, you know, they should never, ever mess up. And if they do mess up, then they're, they're gone. And it's like, you get oh, it's really we, hard to fire somebody. Honestly, we kind of need to we, show people. We, it's some way, grace. it's really really hard to fire an elected official. I've tried. <laughs> yeah, you, you <laughs> I've lost tried. three elections myself. All right, well, let's start to move into final thoughts. Uh, Producer Zach, do you have anything for us? Anything we want to cover? Anything you want to catch up on? No, not really. It's been a um, spring's coming. They're going to suck an hour of our souls out this weekend with daylight savings time coming. I'm not super it's, stoked. It's for the good. You know what? This is the good side of it. Don't have kids, man. <laughs> kids don't understand this. My kids will be up at whatever time. I'm not sure which way the clock goes, but they'll. But you, no. you just you just told us they're not that old yet. Uh, six and nine. That's what and I this, heard. Yeah. And now, luckily, <laughs> luckily, uh, with uh, medical uh, approval, we kind of give one of my kids, my oldest one, like basically Benadryl before he goes to bed. That kid would beat me up in the morning, and I run in the morning. And he'd be up just like, what's up, dad? It's like, dude, it is 5.05 in the morning. Why are you awake? I don't know. And he'd just be just ready to go. But um, but no, I'm, I'm looking forward to camping season. IndyCar season has started. If you, somebody, if you didn't take a chance to watch the race, hopefully you have it on DVR. Go watch it. There's cars flying through the air, like driven on the streets of St. Petersburg. Are you in the Motorsports Caucus yet, uh, Senator Rotz? No. Oh, see, so uh, you've got Newcastle uh, Motorsports uh, Park. Uh, yeah, well, you gotta, yeah. It's, you got to you got to get in there. Uh, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> the, the, the best built cars in Indiana might be Dolores because they take a licking. I don't know if they build how much of those get built here or not, but um, but yeah, some cars got like seven feet in the air, and one of them set fastest lap of the race late in the race after being fixed um, with a little bit of suspension work. But but no, other than that, um, I think that is the uh, St. Patrick's Day in Rushville tomorrow. Yes. Yep. yep. Yeah. So the people well, that well, it'll be uh, Saturday. Saturday. Okay. So, so yep, we this had weekend last so. week promoted that the Newcastle on Tap big event is coming up here as well. So 
Uh, if you have your designated driver, you can do the four hours here in Newcastle and then and then run on down to Rush and County. Don't and check their the city. Slick Pickle, see if they got availability. I still think that was a great idea. A slick Pickle should double up the package and lets people pregame in Newcastle and then drive them down to Rushville for some. Uh, well, they, did they have a beer pong tournament? Was that? Yeah. Oh yeah, beer pong. Yeah, beer pong. They got, they got it all. I just trying to picture like a guy his age hosting a beer pong tournament. That's hilarious to me. Um, but yeah, so enjoy the festivities this weekend responsibly. Uh, if somebody, if you know me and you need a ride, ask me for a ride. Cause I'm, I've been sober for 40 years. So <laughs> Better we, have a good we appreciate weekend. that. Zach and I spend an awful lot of time in our Indiana state parks. So what you, I know you've got, you've got a number of them now. I assume you have whitewater in your district. I do. You've got Mount, is it Mounds SRA in <laughs> yours as well? Now you've got Summit Lake. So you've got, you got three crown jewels of Indiana that you're looking after as well. Agree. Yeah. Wholeheartedly, yeah. And by the way, we could stand some more camping at Summit Lake. It is full every weekend. Full every weekend. And those guys pay food and beverage money, too. Uh, yeah, talk, they, talking about uh, a capital project there, aren't you? Yeah. Well, there was there, our, our recently retired state representative would have liked to lodge out there at some point. Or an inn, I guess I guess you'd call it. Uh, but uh, those, are, those are tough to come by. So, is there anything we've left out? Anything you wanted to cover? Uh, any topics that we that we skipped over? I, I don't think so. I think you guys have ended up uh, getting down to some of the uh, conversation here locally that that you wanted to have, and so I, I expected and and uh, I'm appreciative. It turned out pretty well. Yep, awesome. We we look forward to continuing the continuing the dialogue in many many years to come. D Square, just wanted to say thanks for coming on, Jeff. Uh, My it was pleasure. good. It was good talking to you. Um, yeah, I, I was like talking to, um, especially like these. These are some of my favorite conversations uh, with our the people who are representing us at the state house. Uh, Tom was always such a good conversation to have. Um, yeah, looking forward to keeping the conversation going with you as well. Um, yeah, it's really good time. This has been a crazy week for me. Um, Jeremiah, you did all the show notes, so I know I wanted I'm to not, say thank you for I am thank you for taking that off my the plate show. this week. So. It was crazy. I had a, I had a squirrel get in <laughs> on Sunday, and then it was like the exact wrong week for something like that to happen. So it was like just crazy hectic. So yeah, thanks for taking taking care of the show notes this week. Pure, pure chaos. Ah, we we adapt and survive in advance, adapt and whatever. Um, very good. Thank you so much for, for being out here with us. My pleasure. Thank you uh, both or all three of you. Actually, yep. uh, it's certainly been a pleasure. Uh, Come back. I'll, you inter, or invite me. I will certainly come back. Very good. With that, we say thank you guys very much for participating. We will be back next Thursday night.